0: Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back. You're listening to episode 172 of The Body Nerd Show. On today's episode, I'm talking about labrums, specifically what they are, how labral tears and overall joint wear happens, and how to build more stable hips and shoulders. So a labral tear is one of those scary diagnoses that usually kind of paints a picture of surgery and a super long healing time. And I totally get it, right? It's not something that we often are familiar with unless you are a body nerd, which I know you are. And that's why we're here. And that's why we're talking about this. Uh, But also it's something that's integral to the integrity of the joint. And so if that's impacted, it's easy to make the conclusion that the joint itself would be compromised. And even if you've been diagnosed with a labral tear, or you haven't, or you're worried about it, or you've heard of it, and you're just kind of curious better understanding what a labral tear is can make it as an idea be less scary. And labral tears of both the shoulder and the hip are super common. And to be honest, they often don't cause any noticeable symptoms. So you may be wondering, well, why does my shoulder hurt? Is it because of my labral tear? Why does my hip hurt? Is it because of the labral tear? Or maybe it's not related. And that's what we're going to talk about. And also you might just be like, okay, well, what the heck is a labrum and why, why does that get torn up? (laughs) So let's dive into it. A labrum is the name of the rubbery cartilage that cups around the ball end in a ball and socket joint. Now you have two ball and socket joints in your body. They are the shoulder and the hip, which is why labral tears happen there at the shoulder and the hip. So the purpose of the labrum is to not only deepen the socket, but it also helps to keep the ball end of this ball and socket joint in place. It improves the contact of those two bones together and also the surface area of the joint. So remember, in a joint, it's where two bones meet, and bone is a hard surface. And so your body uses cartilage to help cushion that surface. Um, You know, think of your knees. They also have cartilage. Uh, But this cartilage also helps to improve the kind of glidability of those two bones over one another. So it's lubrication, right? But it's a more firm type of lubrication rather than like a liquid. If you think of like oil in your car, um, it's not like that. That would be synovial fluid. Which is a whole other conversation. We can have it another time. Um, but it is for lubrication. It helps to improve contact and surface area and really helps the joint to keep on jointing. <laughs> for lack of a better descriptor. So in your shoulder, your upper arm bone, which is called the humerus, that is where the ball end of the joint is, so the humeral head, and it sits in the socket that is formed by your scapula called the glenoid fossa. In your hip, it's the femur bone, that's your thigh bone, and it's the head of the femur, the femoral head, that's the ball that sits in the socket of your pelvis called the acetabulum. Now, in ball and socket joints in general, there are typically two types of cartilage. So you have this white cartilage that's called articular cartilage that's at the end of the bones that, again, helps them to glide on one another. So that's almost like the skin of the bone that is cartilage. And then you also have this labral cartilage, which is more fibrous. It's more rigid, and it's only found at that socket place. Now, cartilage of all types doesn't have a lot of blood supply to it. So when it comes to injuries, cartilage injuries typically don't have a great healing prognosis on their own. But just because there's a cartilage injury doesn't necessarily mean that you're destined for pain. And we will talk more about that. So you might be wondering, well, how does a torn labrum actually happen? So it can be anything from bony abnormalities within the joint. So just the shape of the bone over time, which is something you're probably born with genetics, whatever. It just, it's not a great fit. So over time, it can wear down the labrum and potentially cause tears. It could be from muscle tightness or weakness. It could also be from instability in the joint, which not only is related to To muscle tightness or weakness, but also could be related to joint laxity, which we talked about in the hypermobility episode. Labrum tears could also come from improper technique when performing repetitive activities. So, swimming is something that comes to mind, and the repetition of like the front stroke, I guess it's called clearly. I've never been swimming in that regards. But that repetitive action with poor form could potentially lead to labral tears and other joint injuries. Also, just overuse. So maybe, you know, your form is on point and it's awesome, but you've been playing the sport for a very long time and putting a lot of hours in, and just bodies wear down over time. And that's also part of it. It's just like your body wears down. That's you using your body. And we get old. It does happen. Collagen changes do happen. That does not mean that there has to be pain. So I've said this before, and I will say it again, and I will keep saying it again for the rest of my days, that structural issues don't mean that you're destined for pain. And in fact, a 2016 study in the Orthopedic Journal of Sports Medicine looked at MRI diagnosed slap tears. So these are labral tears in the shoulder, a specific type, which I'll talk about. So they did MRIs to discover if people had um, the specific type of labral tears, and they picked 53 patients who had no symptoms. They were between the ages of 45 and 60, and the number of people who had labral tears Remember, these are asymptomatic patients. It was 55 to 72% of that group of the 45 to 60 year olds. So just because you have a labral tear doesn't mean that you're necessarily destined to have pain. And just because you have pain doesn't mean that that pain is coming from the underlying structural issue. They are not always correlated. That may be the case, but I just want to put that out there because I know oftentimes Orthopedic surgeons are like, well, you got a tear and the only thing we can do is surgery and not necessarily sharing studies like this one. And this is not the only one that show that that structural issue is not necessarily correlated with the pain. So, in shoulder labrum tears, they typically happen within or along the edge of the labrum. And really think of it almost like a, uh, I can't think of what they're called right now, but you know, you like put your coffee cup on top of a thing so you don't leave a ring on the table. Think of it that way, but it is round in shape, so it can really fit snugly within that ball and socket joint. So the tear can happen along the edge. Um, Fraying is something that you may have heard of or seen very common with age, uh, just from wear and tear, or there could be a larger tear with maybe almost like a, a catch in it. And so a portion of the labrum can like catch within the joint, which can cause clicking. Now that's not to say that all clicking is a labrum tear, just sometimes that may be the case. So this slap tear is an acronym for superior labrum from anterior to posterior, meaning it's up in the top front of the joint going from front to back. And this is typically where the bicep tendon attaches. The bicep tendon not only attaches to the head of the humerus, but some of that connective tissue connects it into the labrum as well. And As a side note, this is also what happens within the knee is some of the ligaments of the knee connect to the meniscus as well as a way to create more stability within the joint, which is also why when you tear your MCL or your medial collateral ligament, you often see a medial meniscus tear at the same time because that's just how our bodies were designed to create that extra stability. So because of that blending of the bicep tendon up at the top of the labrum within the shoulder, um, again, if there's an injury, if there's overuse, misuse, what have you, and the bicep is also injured, it can take the labrum along down its deep slope, (laughs) but they're connected, literally, figuratively, structurally, they're connected. Now, you can also have like a total tear of a labrum off the bone. Now This is generally in the cases of a dislocation or a subluxation, which is when the joint dislocates and then goes back to where it was. So obviously this would be, you know, a trauma case and super bad. <laughs> I mean, just to say it lightly, we learned about these when I was working as an athletic trainer at university and subluxations and dislocations can cut off blood supply to the limb. They're like not something to be messed around with. So they are definitely not one of those, like, let's wait and see what happens, like 911 emergency room ASAP. So the treatment for labral tears within the hip is typically surgery, but it's not always needed depending on the severity. Because remember, surgery doesn't happen in a vacuum. That surgeon is going to have to cut through your skin and connective tissue down through the muscle to get to the bone. There's going to be a lot of scar tissue, compensation, recovery time that's also going to impact how the joint works overall. That being said, if there is a tear and it's really impacting your quality of life, then absolutely surgery may be your best bet. With those slap tears, typically they're trimmed or reattached, you know, sewn back together, but again. Cartilage doesn't have a ton of blood supply, so its capacity to heal is not the same as a muscle. And more honestly, even a bone. Sometimes you might hear that breaking a bone is better than spraining an ankle because ligaments, soft tissues are never quite the same, whereas when bone regrows, it's just bone. So remember that structural issues and pain aren't always directly correlated, so surgical interventions don't always resolve pain. And you can ask people, (laughs) just start to ask around, did surgery help your pain? And probably just as many people who say yes, there will also be a handful of people who continue to have pain even after surgery. Because again, that underlying structural thing wasn't the only cause of pain. And again, I'm not saying that surgery is your only option or that surgery isn't going to work. Just laying out how labral tears work, so you can ask these questions of your healthcare providers and really come to an informed decision that's right for you. The number one question. I get within the comments and my DMs and my emails is I have this issue, what should I do for it? And I get when you've tried icing and you've tried stretching and they're not really working, you probably are looking for a simple program that you can do on your own that actually works. And that's exactly why I put together the mobility mastery toolkit. The toolkit includes 30 days of exercises. So you know exactly what to do to improve the mobility of your hips, your lower back, your feet, your neck and your shoulders. Plus, it comes with video demos for every single exercise and a full body mobility workout calendar so you can check it off. And again, you don't have to think about what to do. You just get it done. And with all of those resources, you're just 15 minutes a day from feeling stronger and more flexible. As a Body Nerd Show listener, you can save 50% off when you use the code MASTERY at mobilitytoolkit.co. That's right. Use the code MASTERY, M-A-S-T-E-R-Y at mobilitytoolkit.co. And then keep me posted how it goes. Within the hip, again, similar, you can have fraying and small tears from gradual wear of the hip labrum. You can have separation where the labrum actually comes away from the socket, which again would be something like a trauma situation, a serious injury. And treatment here as well. Rest, medication, injections, things like anti-inflammatories, physical therapy can be helpful, and of course, surgery to remove any frayed sections, sew up any tears, or even replacing the labrum altogether. Together, uh, sometimes even within the hips, they'll go in and actually like reshape the bones if hip impingement is a common problem and that bony shape isn't really congruent. So they'll just like shave bone down, like no, no big deal with that one. Which is like orthopedic surgery is awesome and it does wonderful things and it's very important. But there's also times where you're like, wow, this is really like like a carpenter <laughs> is essentially what they're doing in there. But you know what else? helps unstable joints is building your strength and improving your proprioception, improving your body awareness. So within the hips, that looks like doing things like squatting, doing things like hip hinging, which by the way, are two of three movements, foundational movements that we focus on inside of movement mavens and within the work I do with clients and just working on keeping stability through the hips as you're moving. Whether you're doing curtsy squats or playing around with bands, there's so many ways to build up hip stability that start with using your hips. And then stability is also important. So this is where the balance aspect comes into place. And I hear from so many people that they want to work on balance, that balance is something they really want to improve. And the best way to do that is to continue to practice. So much of our strength and stability is about the skill of it rather than just having this like inherent skill. Like you aren't just like, Oh, I'm just a strong person. Um, a strong person is strong because they practice at it. A gymnast has great balance because they practice at it. And I don't need to be able to walk on a balance beam, like this is not my cup of tea, but working on things like a single leg deadlift helped me to build up that single leg, hip, knee, ankle strength and stability so that my balance is better. And when you have better balance, you can walk with more, confidence, right? You're not worried about tripping over things because you're like, oh, I could catch myself. I have the quickness, the strength to catch myself. So think of the bigger picture, too, of what stability and balance are actually about. You know, I've worked with clients before those parking ties in parking lots, you know, tripped over those. I've tripped over them myself. And having good balance could be the difference between absolutely eating it and catching yourself and not having a problem with it. For shoulders, we want to work on the basic movements of pushing better in better form with good strength, pulling and hanging. So, pushing, of course, you know, push ups are one way to do it. There's a million different ways to break down the push up and work on the elements of pushing that are not push ups, like pressing overhead, bench pressing, things like that. Pulling, of course, we have rows pulling on ropes, pulling on bars and pulling yourself up, which is just, I want to say it's my arch nemesis one day, one day, but I'll be fully honest with you. The reason why I can't do pull-ups is because I don't practice pull-ups and it's just as simple as that. (laughs) If I practice more pull-ups, I could do more pull-ups, but I also am like, nah, Nah. Uh, so that's where hanging comes into play because hanging is great to build joint stability from fingertips all the way up into your neck. So while I'm not able to do pull-ups, I still hang from the pull-up bar in my house to just ensure that the joint has good integrity. So for those of you who have shoulders that do click or pop or just feel unstable, hanging, maybe not from a bar overhead, maybe just hanging from your doorway may be a good place to start. And just statically hanging out there for time as you build up strength. And if taking your arms overhead isn't an option for whatever reason, then something like a suitcase carry or a farmer's carry where you hold the weight down by your side may be a better option. But all of this is to say there are many, many, many things that you can do to improve hip and shoulder stability. All of them kind of lead you back to building strength and flexibility in better positions. And that, while it doesn't sound as flashy as like muscle confusion, That honestly is the key to healthy joints and a body that moves well and really feels good overall. I'll also link into the show notes for a video on my YouTube. That's a variation of the bird dog exercise. So if you've ever done physical therapy and they have you on hands and knees, and then you reach one arm and the opposite leg. I have a variation of that for you. That'll be a little bit more challenging if you're looking for some extra fun. But if you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed, if you're like, well, I do have a labrum tear or I just want to ensure that my joints are as healthy as can be, focus on the basics. So the way I see it, there are three foundational movements that when you master them, you can do anything you want. That all movement is really variations on the theme of the squat, the hip hinge, and the overhead reach. And like I mentioned, these are covered along with push-ups too, not only inside the Mobility Mastery Toolkit, but also within the work I do with clients. So if you're like, yes, 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 how do I do this? Where do I start? The Mobility Mastery Toolkit is a great place to start. So I wanna hear from you. Do you have any of your own stories with labral tears or questions about labral tears or just like, what the heck is a labral tear? Hit me up. You can find me on Instagram. I'm at Hala You can find me on TikTok at AE Wellness. You can call the Body Nerd hotline at 818-396-6501. I pinky pinky promise you I will not answer the phone. I'm a millennial. I don't answer the phone. (laughs) But you can leave your question in a voicemail and I will answer it on a future episode. And before I go, don't forget that show notes, fun links, free downloads, links to everything I talked about today, including all of the Research and all things podcast related live over at aewellness.com slash podcast. And thank you for subscribing and leaving reviews and sharing this episode with maybe somebody in your life who has a labral tear or is concerned about shoulder stability, hip stability, whatever. That really allows me to get to episode 172, honestly, is people like you. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. You're the real MVP, and I appreciate you. And that's 100% genuine. So here's to asking better questions, moving more, working on joint stability, and getting nerdy. And thank you for helping me spread the word that your body is super cool, and you, my friend, can change the unchangeable. I'll talk to you next week.